Yeah, my dad used to always have this saying, um, nothing beats a failure but a try. Mm-hmm. And it took me till I was about 25. Yeah. I used to even say it and not really know what it meant. But when, you know, I finally sat down, I actually had to time to think about it. You're right. The only thing that can stop you from failing is you trying. Because mm-hmm. if you try, you might succeed. You might. Yeah. But you'll never know if you don't try. everybody welcome back to another episode of chapter 20 something with me kylie mcdonald i hope you're having a wonderful week hope your summer is truly just thriving today we have an amazing guest on the show we get into how we met but let me just say it was through um a tipsy karaoke night um yeah but no don't let that make this seem superficial because our guest today is Prez. He is a musician, producer, entrepreneur, DJ. He does all the things and truly has one of the most incredible, optimistic outlooks on life that I've ever heard. And we hear all about his life story and it takes so many twists and turns, but truly it is one of somebody who has looked at his circumstances, some of which were in his control, some of which were out of his control, and he's seen it all, he's been through a lot, but he's taken his life by the reins and said, this is the type of person that I want to be, and this is how I'm going to live my life. And it's a beautiful story, it's an inspirational story, and he's quite the guy. So enjoy this conversation with Prez, and let us know what you think. As always, follow the podcast on Instagram at chapter20somethingpod. Feel free to follow me, official Kylie McDonald, and I will talk to you guys soon. Have a great couple weeks. Enjoy the day, do something good for yourself, and we'll talk soon. Much love. Bye. Let's go. All right, today we're here with Prez. Welcome to Chapter 20 something. How are you? I'm great. I'm I'm doing great. (laughs) Inventful morning, but you know, I'm happy to be here. Yes, we're here at Prez's house today. It's a beautiful spot. We got a big ass bag of popcorn next to us. Mm -hmm. Might have to crack it open at some point. If the story gets interesting enough, we'll just like start with the popcorn. That'll work. Yeah. That's a good reason to use it, though. Honestly, awesome. yeah. All right, so Prez, I gotta say, I don't know you too well yet. Right. But I met you because you were DJing at Tap and Barrel, yep. karaoke night, 
And my friends and I just looked at each other and were like, that guy has the voice. Like he has the DJ voice, that like star quality. And then you were dancing around the bar, like mm-hmm. owning the space. We're like, this guy's cool. This guy's cool. So we connected there. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'd like saying karaoke, like some drunk karaoke. It was fun. Yes. You're like, yes, you did. I hope so. I remember what song it was. No, I remember. It was Before He Cheats mm-hmm. and then Party in the USA. Nice. So, yeah, yeah, it was good. I mean, the crowd loved it. Thank you. They did. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. You're actually a really good damn singer. No, good singer, no I do you know? sing. Thank you. <laughs> that might not have been, like, my best my best performance, but, you know, it's, like, 11 p.m. at a bar, so yeah. you do what you can. All right, so besides DJing, you have a bunch of other avenues of success and things that you're on the journey of accomplishing and things you have accomplished. So why don't you go down the list? What is it that you do? Okay, so what do I do? Um, It'd be easier to kind of like just say what my life's mission is, right? I like it. So I wrote it about two years ago. And, you know, before I started doing what I do now, I did so many things. It was like my hands were in music. My hand was in recording. My hand was in audio video systems. My hand was in nine to five or it was, you know, wanting to do this. And I was always stretching myself so thin, you know, like going in every direction, but never really getting anywhere. Right. Okay. And a lot of that had to do with, um, you know, me not having a goal in life, you know? So me, I've obviously been going through a lot of things and, I remember one day I was just driving in my car. I was on my way down to Troy to my friend uh, Astro Boomin uh, Studio. He's a music producer down in Troy. And I was listening to something from somebody. And they're just like, you know what? Right now, pull over to the side of the road. And, you know, in a few sentences, just write down. If you could really, truly, like, think about the life you want to live, the things you want to do, what would be your statement? What would be your goal? So every single time that somebody sees you and they're like, hey, so what do you do? Yeah. You have a solid answer. Mm-hmm. And this is what I wrote. And I wrote it on the back of my father's obituary card um, when he passed away, which I actually wrote the poem for. Mm. You know, so it was a perfect spot for it. But um, from top to bottom, in order, it's, you know, first things first, I want to be a good father. Right? So that's like my first job that I do. Yeah. I try to be the best father I can be. Um, is be a good father who makes money by using music, using love using speech, and then using truth to help all human beings, right? Mm. Become wiser human beings Mm -hmm. so they can become richer human beings to make this world a wealthier, richer, better place for all human beings. That's beautiful. That's what I do. So help me God. I had to say so help me God because I know I'm going to, you know, the way I live like every day is my last. Yeah. You know, like kind of like, you know, this might be the last one. It's God's going to have to help me because I might die on the mission, you know? It's a fast road. It's a fast life. But, you know, I'm, I'm willing to drive and see how far it takes me. Yeah. You know? I feel like that's the way you have to live. Is And I think it's so great to have a statement like that because that's something you can fall back on when times get tough or mm-hmm. when you feel like you're losing your way. Like, does this, does this help me accomplish my mission? Does this help me live how I want to each and every day? Yep. And, yeah, because so many things can confuse us in this life and, you know, make us feel like, you know, is this the right thing that I should be doing? Is this going to get me to where I want to go? But to have a simple, beautiful, but simple statement to fall back on that, that's very helpful. So it definitely has been helpful over the years. And that's kind of like, I've used that to reform my life. So every yeah. single thing that I do now in my life is within that mission. And, you know, I found 
newfound peace, newfound self-love. There's mm-hmm. so much more energy and drive and hustle. Yes. And DJing has a lot to do with that. I'm actually happy I started DJing because mm-hmm. I um, like to kind of show my background, right, and all the things I do. I started off as an audio engineer. Okay. So when I graduated high school, um, I was supposed to go to a D1, run track, you know, to Niagara, go for uh, business management. I uh, got caught uh, in school with uh, something in my bag I wasn't supposed to have in my bag, and I got uh, suspended, so... There goes the scholarship, there goes track, there goes my senior year. Almost Mm -hmm. didn't graduate. I just came back like, you know what? I'm just going to just focus on my school. I'm just going to get out. Let me just get out of this dang school. I went to uh, Boston Spa High School where I graduated. And um, once I got out, you know, college wasn't a thing for me. So I was like, okay, I want to, I love music. Been doing it all throughout high school. And at that point, I just had a little microphone in the closet and my friends would come over, but my mixes sucked. They sounded so bad. I was yeah. a great artist. But you artist. were doing it. You were trying. I yeah. was. So, you know, I decided to go to the new school radio and television okay. for digital recording arts and um, took their program, got my degree, um, got an internship at Hot 99.1 when uh, uh, Tanch, who was the director at uh, 96.3, just started it. This is before they even had commercials. Damn. It was just like, okay. you know, I was one of his first, actually was his first intern, so... That didn't work out, unfortunately. We had differences. Mm-hmm. Got myself another internship at Heavy Demand Studios down in Westgate Plaza in uh, Albany, back when that used to be there. That was like, 10 years ago. And um, once I finished my internship, I got my degree, and um, there wasn't any jobs around here, though. Like, the market for radio, music, yeah. recording studios, it just wasn't there. So, uh, me, I had to get a job, you know, mm-hmm. like most 19-year-olds have to. And um, I started working at Forno Bistro, the DZ restaurant oh, right yes. there mm-hmm. um, on, uh, what is that, North Broadway? Yeah. Right across from the city center of Saratoga. And um, I just busted my ass. I really did. And it took me about a year and a half before they made me their salad chef. So and what then, were you doing when you initially got in there, in the restaurant? Oh, I was just, I was just dishwashing. Just dishwashing? Just dishwashing okay. and helping with prep. But, you know, hard work speaks for itself. Yeah. You know, if you he's this hard doing this, something like that, and he takes pride in it, I bet you he's only going to be that much better when, you know, we put him on the line, start teaching him how to make salads, and everything was from scratch, you know, and it was like a five-star restaurant, so, yeah. you know, reluctant, reluctant, you know, the uh, owners was like, uh, mm-hmm. it's an open kitchen, you know, he's new, he's young, you know, this is big money over here, and I'm Glad to say that I stepped up to the challenge. Good. They didn't pay me anymore, which eventually was the reason I left. I yes. Like, okay, well, I'm not dishwashing anymore, but you still pay me as a dishwasher? Like, oh, no, I don't like that. Yeah, no, so, you know, they tried to take advantage of me, so I had to leave. Well, I found good terms, though. Yeah, know? yeah, but, you know, you got that experience, and I think that's a lesson in itself, you know, for worth ethic, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, like, going back to that time when... You know, you originally had like the scholarship set up and it's like this quote unquote, like steady future kind of, mm-hmm. you know, at your fingertips and then things changed. Like what was your mindset then for how you were going to create a life for yourself and maybe even like prove to yourself you could be who you wanted to be, if that makes sense? Yes, that does make sense. So uh-huh. music, even though like, um, you know, college and none of that happened I I happened for a reason you know yeah the one thing that I definitely like would say was my driving factor to say you know what I'm gonna make something out of myself it was like my struggle you know Mm -hmm. growing up I really didn't grow up with 
anything. I mean, when you're talking about like a started from the bottom yeah. story, that's my story entirely. You know, um, going back to being a child, I was a foster child. Me and my brothers, we were in foster care. I was actually born in Rhode Island. I'm not from New York. Okay. I was born in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. And my parents went to jail. My mother did eight years. That's why she's as gangsta as she is. Um, <laughs> and my father did five. And me and my brothers, we went into foster care. And um, did that for about four or five years until mm. my aunt uh, took us out. My Aunt Carol, she lives up in uh, Fort Edward because they were going to split us. So I have a twin brother. Okay. right? And they were like, no, we can't split them. They're twins. Yeah. You know, it was about yeah. that time. So my mother's side of the family brought us in. Um, my brother had to go live with my Aunt Patty, but me and my twin brother, we stayed with my Aunt Carol until my uh, father got out of jail. Mm-hmm. Now, when my father got out of jail, he's still, you know, after five years in jail, you're restarting. You know, yeah. there's no money, don't have a job, you don't have a house, didn't have a car, didn't have anything, right? Right. So, he got out and um, started working at the Saratoga Racetrack. Okay. So, he's uh, he's been a groom and a hot walker, horse trainer, just... um for like 45 years he passed away when he was 65 mm. um and he's been doing it his whole entire life so um once he got there he started making it money you know he was living on the racetrack because they had places for you to live on the back of the racetrack okay yeah if you yes. ever been on the back actually side. i think i was over there the other day and i was like oh look at these like houses back here yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so really they're just like shacks honestly yeah, yeah. just like little shacks so you know um once he was able to find a place on the um on the racetrack we moved in with him so okay. you can imagine my father right me and my twin brother and my oldest brother Thomas, who I live with now, um, in one little square place, probably no bigger than my kitchen. Mm-hmm. And you know. And how old were you at this time? Uh, five, six. Oh, okay. Six or yeah. five, five or six years. But old. still, that's a lot of energy in one room. It yeah. is. Uh-huh. You know, there wasn't even a bathroom. You had to go out to walk down the hallway to go to wow. the bathroom. You know? Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. And even though we didn't have anything it was the first time where like our family was at least together so like you know we'd wake up dad's gone he's probably you know somewhere around the racetrack working with mike chevy or working with uh you know linda and we just run out and go run around the racetrack just these young boys running on dirt roads horses everywhere smell yeah. like cat horse shit all the time but yeah yeah <laughs> it was the first time we felt like family and then you know so just like starting from you know a shack when you know really had no opportunity in Saratoga, you know, very poor welfare, food stamps, my whole entire life. You know, I've just been working. My father, definitely one of the hardest working men I've ever mm-hmm. met in my life. He is my hero. May God bless his soul. Um, just, just thinking, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be another one of my dads. You know, my dad was a good father, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to struggle like that. I didn't want to have to make those hard decisions between, you know, eating and not eating that night. So. Yeah. Even though I was the person that wanted to get caught in weed with school, you know, mm. I know that I couldn't let myself follow down that path, you know? And since yeah. then, like, it, it kind of, like, just snapped me off, like, you know what? Forget my friends, because it's high school, you know? I was right. a very popular kid. I was a great dancer, still a great dancer. Yes, still made you music. are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I felt like I had too many friends around me, and thank God, because, you know, once I got suspended, it was just like, okay, where are my friends now? You know, nobody mm-hmm. stops in, wants to come over after right. school, right. you know, come over to my studio and, you know, use all my stuff. So I just zeroed in and said, forget all my friends. I'm graduating, still graduated with advanced uh, regents diploma. Nice. Said, you know what, we'll take music to the max. And Absolutely. It's just that. that commitment. It's that commitment to yourself, That's you know. What That's what it was. And, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like no matter what stage you are in life, like that is something that can change everything. And if that sounds kind of cliche, it, but it's the truth. Like, you know, you have to be able to fully commit to yourself mm-hmm. what you want and see what happens. Right. Yeah. So that's what you've been doing for the past 10 years, about I 10 guess. Years now, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So if we go back, you are, you just left the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So what was your next move after that? So after I left the restaurant, I was uh, 19 and um, it was literally just find out where I can make as much money as I can. Right. So I was working two jobs at the time. I was cooking here. I was cooking there. I was cooking there, cooking there. And that's when I met, that's when uh, I met my ex-wife and uh, we started living together. At that point, I just got offered my first record deal from Mm -hmm. Def Jam down in New York City. Oh, well, look at you. Okay. Uh, I was off my first record deal at 19. It was a 360 deal. I never signed the contract. I brought it to two lawyers. They said, you know what? Don't sign it. Just doesn't make sense. The verbiage is wrong. And they're okay. What's a 360 deal? I don't even know. What so that is. a 360 deal is um, say a 360 deal is where the money comes around full circle, mm-hmm. but it's never really yours. Mm. So when you when you pretty much sign a 360 deal, it's a label coming over to you and saying, "Hey, you know what? I love you." You know, I'd love to sign you. I'll give you, mm, let's just say, I'll give you $100,000, right? Signing bonus, right? That's your money. That's your advancement. Boom. We're going to sign you to a, you know, two album contract, a three album contract, right? And that three, we're going to set you up. You're going to have your own publishing. You're going to have your own uh, manager. You're going to have your own tour person. You're going to, you know, you'll see it's $100,000, right? Yeah, yeah. Make us some money with it, right? So most people, when they get that advancement check, even if they sign for a million, everybody's going to go buy a house, they're going to go buy a car, they're going right. to go take care of a bunch of things, not knowing that, you know, that money has to be paid back. What? It has to be paid back. And now that you're signed to the label, the label owns your publishing. And okay. your publishing is your masters, that's your royalties, that's your, that's your copyright, everything. that's your everything. everything. So... You know, a 360 deal pretty much is, okay, we're going to give you the money. The money comes, the money goes, and the label makes the money because, yeah, they'll put you on tour. They'll yeah. get you on tour for $100,000. Okay, you thought you made $100,000. No. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we got an album. Your album did great. It sold, you know, 500 million copies or 500,000 copies. Okay, yeah, but that only makes, you know, a $10 a clip. Who's buying CDs these days mm-hmm. for $10? Mm-hmm. But, you know, let's say, you know, your album was able to generate... You know, two hundred thousand dollars. They give you a hundred thousand. Well, you got to pay that hundred thousand dollars back. Right. And then now that they don't account for what they paid for, which your studio time, your production side, because you had to spend money to make the thing. Yeah. So after they take everything out, you're still left broke. So what they right. do is they'll just start advancing you more money because they kept all the money in the back pocket. Yeah. You know, yeah. so three sixty. So. Yeah, they're not not the wave. So. No, and then, you know, I would assume that you're not really allowed to make money anywhere else if you're assigned to this contract. Yeah. So it's not like you can go somewhere else and, like, do sponsors, sponsors, excuse me, sponsorships or, like, anything else, you know, with other companies. It has to yeah. go through this one. Exactly. And if they don't approve it, then what are you supposed to do? You're not making any money. Exactly. And that's yeah. why they say it's like selling your soul. Like, you know, you yeah. say someone sell their soul. No, you didn't sell your soul. You just took an advancement of cash that you can't pay back. And until you pay that money back. Mm-hmm. What are you going to tell, man? People, I've Damn. seen people die over less than $100,000, you know? Oh, my God, I know. So. And it really is interesting. And, you know, you see it, 
even now with some of like the biggest names like Taylor Swift, I think like JoJo, like Kesha, like all these artists who their music and their art doesn't belong to them and they're trying to fight for it to get it back and to get their freedom so they can actually create and make money and make a livelihood off of their chosen career you know it's crazy it's crazy but hopefully some things change yeah i I don't think the music industry is changing anytime soon Uh uh-huh but the one thing I think that every single person that is in the music industry understands it's like a drug. It's like an addiction. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter how bad it does you, how, you know, messed up things can get, how long you have to work late nights. You know, it's it's just like an addiction. You know, you can't you can't get away from it because yeah. it's that that love of free expression and creativity like most human beings don't have that. Yeah. Like I was just talking to a good friend of mine yesterday I told him that I had a studio. He's like, man, you know what? That's awesome. That you actually have a place where you can actually just, you know, sit down and play music and, you know, just be creative and have like an outlet when things get rough and tough to yeah. like use music to do that. So Yeah, totally. Especially when you're doing it as a career, you know, it's it's easy to get caught up in the business of it and into the deadlines of it. Mm-hmm. But to find that therapeutic release which made you want to get into it in the first place first place yeah see before it was the business it was just fun exactly and once the business comes in it's like wow this used to be fun remember we used to just like get high and get drunk and then just play music till freaking 12 to 1 o'clock in the morning and now it's like okay you're worried about recording time and photos and videos and right and who's gonna like it who wants to change it whatever Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Damn. All right. Well, you didn't sign that contract. Thank God. Thank God you have people around you to tell you no. Because honestly, if you're like 20 years old, it's like $100,000. Like, that's pretty enticing. Yeah, you it's know? $60,000 so. in, 60, in three months. Wow. And if after six months, you're happy, we were going to sign a two-year contract. Okay. And that's when the big cash would have came and right, life right. would have been over. Okay. But well, that's when I found out my uh, father had cancer. Okay. Right? So... Not shortly after, you know, I found out my dad was going to pass away. Mm. And, you know, I still, yes, I have my degree. Yes, I got out of school, but I was still a dishwasher. I was still a line cook um, at that point. And, you know, I was just never enough money. So I was like, you know, I got to get my life started. You know, I'm not 18 anymore. Like, at this time, I'm 20. You know, I was living with my ex-wife, and we had a place up in Glens Falls. I had my studio there. Um, Still made music, but... um, at 20, 20 to 21, I got offered my second record deal from oh. AMG Universal down in New York City. So I went down there and did a, uh, a private showcase for the for the owner of um, AMG Universal mm-hmm. and uh, the marketing director of ASCAP. ASCAP's one of the biggest music publishing companies in, uh, in America, yeah. really in the world. So um, they loved me. Um, I went back up home. That was during the summer. Found out my dad had cancer. Uh, he passed away in October. Mm. And by January, I was on the phone talking about my second record deal. Okay. And, you know, at that point, I was like, you know what? My dad just died. I was grieving. You know, just a lot of things were all over of the place. Of course, yeah. And uh, not even October, November, December, January, three months later, when I got offered that record deal, I found out I was going to have a daughter. Wow. Wow. Yeah, at 20... Well, my daughter at 20... 22 she's six now no yep i had her 22 yeah so you know me and my wife we spoke about it and it was i'm not gonna be chasing you show to show state to state 
mm-hmm. with a big belly. Yeah. So, you know, you either got to choose between, you know, your life's dream and goals or be a family man, which I believe is not a fair choice because my dreams could pay for, you know, yeah. my family's, you know, change that generational curse kind of mm-hmm. of poverty on my family. But I, I turned it down. I said, you know, what? I'm going to be a father. I'm going to okay. do what everybody tells me to do. You know, I started, um, I started my career again, uh, put my resume out there to be a audio engineer. I was like, okay, yeah. I got this degree. Now I got a family. Let me use my degree. There's got to yeah. be something out there. Yeah. And you're still in the industry and you know, mm-hmm. doing the thing. Okay. So what did you find? Well, I found, uh, well, Paul Saka found me. Okay. He's a recruiter from Florida. He owns, um, a very, very large, uh, recruiting employment, recruiting company and, um, at the time, I just lost my my favorite cooking job. I was uh, the lead line cook. I was about to be sous chef over at uh, Jacob and Anthony's mm-hmm. uh, American Grill down in Saratoga. And, you know, I was looking at, what, about $45,000 a year? Yeah. I got 21, 22. That's not bad. I'm no, like, definitely oh God, not. That's great. Mm-hmm. But I got a job at uh, PSAV installing... Uh, audio video uh, in conferencing systems for okay. the city center okay right there at this uh saratoga hilton i think yeah. Hilton is right next to the city center and um i started that job so i had to like take my best cooking job i ever had making the best money in a perfect spot i mean any line cook couldn't find better a better gig than that really and um you know took hours from there so i could work this job three months later they lose their contract this place didn't want me back so I was like, wow. okay, now I got to find myself in another cooking job in the back of a kitchen. My daughter was just born. You know, I felt like I just threw away the best thing, the mm-hmm. best job I had in my life. And, you know, my daughter was just born. I was never home at night to kiss her, you know, right. good night because I'm a cook. You know, you're getting home 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. Baby's already asleep. It's like I just worked all day. Yeah. To provide for a baby that doesn't even know me. I know. And I oh, couldn't do my it. my goodness. I couldn't do it. So, yeah. Um, I threw my hat in the ring one more time. Paul Saka found me, and I started at Ronco Specialized Systems in 2014. Okay. So in 2014, my whole entire life changed. That's the first time I actually had a 9-to-5 job in a corporation, and um, I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. every last minute of it. Really? Oh, man. It came with so many perks. I mean, the company car. Didn't have to pay for a car anymore, so that saved me on money. Didn't have to pay for a phone anymore. Yeah. Had a company laptop. All my tools were paid for. All my gas was paid for. Oh, my God. Like, wow. yeah. And what were you doing? Um, I was a, I was an audio-video technologist. Okay. All right. And um, I was training to become a certified technology specialist. Gotcha. And uh, it started off with me actually installing and programming uh, healthcare systems, nurse call systems for um, uh, Rollenborg. They make uh, nurse call systems. If you're in the hospital and you got to pee, you hit the little button. The button goes to the light. The light goes to cool, cool. the console. Yeah. Goes to, mm-hmm. you know, Important stuff, systems. honestly. Yeah. But yeah. It, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Literally find out. They were like, oh, yeah, we we're never going to make you a healthcare guy anyway. Mm-hmm. We we're going to make you a communications guy. Okay. Communications, like, what do you mean? Oh, we're doing audio video. I'm like, oh, so this isn't like music engineering? Like, no, bro, this is technology. Mm-hmm. You're about to be a technology specialist. I'm like, okay, whatever that means. And Bronco um, was great. I mean, Scott Hall, who's like my older brother, he taught me a lot of things. Um, Kevin Borzaleri, who was the sound operator for the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. um, he's uh, he's he was my mentor. He taught me everything about, you know, EQing rooms and tuning churches and frequencies and 
you know, all nerdy good things about technology. Yeah. And um, I worked there for, God, worked there for about three years, okay. about three years. And in the first year, I was a certified technology specialist. Okay. And long story short, what that means is that anything as far as communication goes, when it comes to audio, video, technology, and just communication technology, I am... You got it. I got it. Yep. So I was 23 at the time making about $75,000 a year. Nice. Yep. With the Mm -hmm. car paid for, the whole company car. I couldn't, I was like managing what, I think at my peak was probably about $10 million worth of uh, audio video contracts because we used to get subcontracted underneath uh, the IEBEW, Mm -hmm. International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers in the union. Okay. So every single time that I was working either at Mahanasin at the, you know, advanced technology building that they built over there on the Mahanasin uh, project where I was at, you know, Shenandoah fixing their paging system. I was making what, you know, prevailing wage was in New York State at the time, which was for an electrician was $45 an hour mm-hmm. on top of my other salary. So you're doing pretty well. At 23, I was doing pretty damn well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's interesting, like, hearing your story so far, like, you always, like, find the next thing, you mm-hmm. know? Like, you're never, I mean, you know, is, is, I mean, it's out of necessity, but, like, how, how do you find that next step? How do you think you've found the people or the opportunities that have led you to more success, you know? Definitely was out of necessity. Yeah. But I was just listening to something by uh, Jim Rohn, one of my mentors, Mm -hmm. yesterday, and he was like, he pretty much says that the door opens to those who are always knocking. Yeah. Right? And me, like, I am an opportunist. That Mm -hmm. is me in a nutshell. If there's an opportunity, I'm I'm quicker to take it before anything, you know? Because I I only got one life to live, and I really want to do it all, see it all. Yeah. You know, so just just keeping on, 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 keeping on. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, just when one door shuts for me, that doesn't mean that, like, you know, I get down and I get out. I'm like, okay, get where's the next one? Find the next thing. Yeah, I can't stay down. I've been down my whole entire life. And, you know, it's like almost a fear of being at the bottom mm. keeps me, you know, awake and going. Like, just the, uh, just the other, what, for the past two months, I didn't have my car. Mm-hmm. And that made it like financially just a struggle. Yeah. You know, at the time I was, you know, juggling my car business. We were doing the card game, started my DJing company and just like, I you know I had sessions I had to do. I had my podcast I had to do. I had so many things to do. And like, you know, it would be easy to just sit down and say, okay, now I can't get around. I guess I'm going to have to lose my job. Yeah. No, you know, thank God for my Find mother. Mm-hmm. Who's there, you know, and, you know, I didn't. I'm just not one of those can just sit still. Even no. right now, like, I'm like, I got to do something. I got to do right. something. I got to go. That's a good you way know? to be. And, you know, when you're putting it into a practical sense, like, okay, I see this opportunity that I want. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a job that I want, whatever. What are the extra steps you take to make sure it becomes yours? Uh, persistence. Mm-hmm. Persistence. That's all of it. It's yeah. like, just, like, even me getting the uh, DJ gig, I, um... The Tapping Barrel, doing uh-huh. karaoke on Thursdays. I remember when I first went there and I was like, you know, just standing there like, you know what? I could do this. Mm-hmm. I go up to the ground. Like, so hey. did you have any DJ experience at that None point? None at all. Oh, wow. None okay. Okay. None at all. So, you know, did I have, you know, the musical background? Yes. Yes. I made, you know, albums on albums and, you know, own studios, design studios, design freaking 
you know, quarter of a million dollar sound systems. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, was, I just went there like, hey, man, I want to learn this. And he, lucky enough, uh, DJ Stantastic, my man Joe, he just uh, last year opened a restaurant mm -hmm. up at uh, Brookhaven Golf Course okay. up in Greenfield. And he was actually getting out of the getting out of the DJ business, right? And at that time, I was trying to get in the DJing business, and I was just in the kitchen. So, you know, it, it kind of just linked up. He was like, hey, man, I'll teach you. I actually need somebody to, you know, take take over this for me because yeah. I just own a restaurant. I'm like, hey, man, well, I used to cook. Yeah. I can help you at the restaurant. You help me DJ, you know. There you go. And, you know, we partnered up, and I know the one thing. He was just like, you know, the biggest thing about being a DJ, just like any other job, is you gotta be on time, you gotta be reliable, and you gotta be like, you know, you just gotta show up, that's like 90% of it, yeah. being where you have to be, being where you're on on time. So he was like, hey man, you gotta be here at this time, come on, I'll show you. I was there an hour early, Yeah. you know? So when it comes down to like, okay, this is opportunity, I wanna take this opportunity, I'm just, I don't let up, you know? Yeah. Like, any, even a text every single day, like, hey, you know, this is what's happening. Hey, you know, is this still happening? Da, 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 yeah. Da. Almost annoying, but... No, but it's showing them, hey, I'm here, I care. Mm -hmm. And some people can care about it, but if they're not showing anybody that they care about it, who's mm -hmm. going to really know the work that's being put in, mm -hmm. you know? So, you got you to gotta prove it to people in mm -hmm. one way or another. So, you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Biggest person I'm proving it to is myself now. Ooh, I like that. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's what you got to do every day. And yeah, I think we all go through that in some way. And we all have that sense of imposter syndrome sometimes where it's like, oh, can I really do this? Like, can I make this happen for myself? But yeah, all you got to do, I'd like that. It's like taking it one day at a time. It's like, what can I prove to myself today that I could do? That's it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. One thing I look for, um, we're to Santo. What up, Santo? I love you, brother. If you hear this. <laughs> um, that's my older brother and my life coach down in uh, Long Island. And um, the one thing that um, we did uh, last year with uh, Casey James, who's one of my business partners for um, uh, RC Gaming LLC, is um, we went skydiving. Oh, my God. We went skydiving. So ever since we did that, it was like, you know, fear, what is it? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to opportunities, the one thing nowadays is like, Jermaine, let... Remember you went skydiving, okay? If yeah. that didn't kill you, you being afraid to go talk to that business owner or you going over there to go ask, you know, yeah. and handle business isn't going to kill you either. You're so right. You know? Yeah. So it's like a fearlessness that I try to stay out of my own head. You know? Yes. Talk myself out of it. Yeah. It's a battle. It, it, it always is a battle, but you're right. Like, think of all the things... Like, you've been through any anybody. I'm saying this in general sense. But, like, the mm. things that a person overcomes in their life. And, like, you've gotten through it all, you know? <laughs> no, and crazy. literally, it's like, all you have to do right now is just literally talk to one person and say, hey, I think I could do something for you, mm -hmm. probably. Yeah. And then doing something for yourself in the process. But it's like, that's not that hard. Yeah. And the worst that could happen is they say no, then you find somebody else, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, my dad used to always have this saying, um, nothing beats a failure but a try. Mm -hmm. And it took me till I was about 25. Yeah. I used to even say it and not really know what it meant. But when, you know, I finally sat down, I actually had the time to think about it. You're right. The only thing that can stop you from failing is you trying. Because mm -hmm. if you try, you might succeed. You might. Yeah. But you'll never know if you don't try. I know. You know? I know. It's, yeah, it's like 
the things that we hear literally since kindergarten, but mm-hmm. we forget them, I think, or they become harder to believe, but yeah. they're true. These sayings are true, and you put them into action and you realize, okay, yeah, I can actually do something for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So, all right, you're doing your thing now. Like, you have a million different, uh, I don't know, like, avenues that you're working on. So you've got your DJing, you've got your music, mm-hmm. gaming... Yes. You said, okay, so, I, I'm gonna, yeah, just keep going. <laughs> right, so, yeah, so DJing, uh, Presidential DJs, that's my DJing company. Um, my production company is called True to Productions. Mm-hmm. Um, that is where the podcast came from, uh, which we're actually revamping. I'm so happy because uh, now we partnered with Only Way Out Studios down in Latham. Okay. And um, Kiesen's, uh Face and um, uh, John C. Magic. Tenzo Beats, everybody down there, the whole Only Way Out family. Um, we got that rocking, and that's True to Productions. You know, uh, True to Life Records, that's uh, my record company. Uh, as far as just, like, making music, promoting it, you know, getting it, uh, you know, published and all that good stuff. I also own Premium Raps. That's one of my... That's, like, my baby right there. Yeah. That, that was a business that was made out of necessity. Okay. 100%. So, um... To go back to my story a little bit, um, so I'm working at Ronco, right? I'm juggling, you know, you know, $10 million, you know, audio, video, system installs. I mean, everywhere from, you know, Dwaynesburg, Oneana, you know, all the way up to Vermont, all over the place. St. Rose, I've done so many systems, you don't even know. Yeah, and, they um, all got your name on them. They all got my name in it, right? <laughs> Digital, you know, um, Merbo? Spot Merbeau in uh, oh, yeah. Crossgates, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike DePaula. I have a business card right there in my, uh, in there, yep. I installed the whole entire sound system, every single touch panel they have in a yoga room. To, uh, nice. Oh, place. look at that. It's all me. Look at you. Oh, yeah, Every, you're everywhere. You're I'm everywhere. everywhere. So, yeah. you know, that was going good. And uh, granted, I was making money. Yes, I was the, you know, nine to five, career driven, you know, successful, you know, father, but the music was still missing in my life. Okay, now, you know, I'm a technology, I'm a nerd. I got, you know, one of the one of the most pristine audio video certifications in the world, you know, and I could walk into any audio video company and ask for, you know, seventy thousand dollars a year, give me a phone laptop and they'll oh yeah, no problem. Right, right, right. Yeah. But the music was just it was just it was just lacking, you know? Yeah. And life mm-hmm. kinda happened so fast, so like my father passing I got married, then my father passed away. Then I had my child. Um, then I lost my house. Me and my wife, uh, we lost our apartment. We were freaking homeless for a month. We just both worked two jobs. You know, then we landed at Ronco. Then, it, um, you know, our daughter being born. Then my brother, you know, has to move in with his girlfriend because he fell on his, you know, back. And, you know, it was just like life happened right after the other, the other. And, you know, I was so busy in my job. I didn't have time really understand like how music was really that one thing that helped me cope with all of it yeah you know and I freaking got a habit of drinking that's really like you know I was making freaking I was making you know three thousand dollars a week sometimes you know and it was like I had the money and it wasn't like I was spending it it was just like I was just drinking it yeah so like I didn't have a good release you know didn't really get to grieve before I had to be a father Mm -hmm. you know um I was really overworked at work. I mean, $10 million worth of jobs is like nothing 
small to, you know, juggle. And it was just me and one other person. Yeah. Respectfully so. That's a lot of, at once, definitely. Yeah, yeah so um, eventually, like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm getting Pro Tools. I'm getting another microphone. I'm going to start rapping again and, you know, see what comes of it, you know? Yeah. By that time, I was so dang uh, tired on Fridays. As soon as I get home, I'm just like... I know. I don't even want to do it, so... Mustered up the courage to do it, and um, just like I always do every single time I try to do music again, and I actually take it serious, boom, I get another offer. So in that time, you know, I'm making a lot of money. I got a nice, secured company job. You know, I'm miserable. Um, My marriage is going to shit. Why? Because I'm making all this money drinking and, you know, don't even know how to handle myself. Mm -hmm. You know, at this point, I'm 24, 24, 25, and... um, I got uh, a call from Casey, and he was like, hey, man, you ready to meet 50 Cent's Uncle Mo? I said, yeah, sure. Okay. So we go down to uh, New Jersey. I meet him, and um, he pretty much said, like, hey, man, like, you know, if you want to be really big in this industry, like, I'll help you out. I'll manage you. But what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to quit that damn job that, you know, those people are paying you. I know it pays you good. I know it takes care of your family, but... You're going to have to leave your job. My wife, she was working at uh, Fidelis Care, so she had her career job. She's like, your, your wife's going to have to work. Watch your daughter. Hold it down. You're going to have to come with me. Six months. I live in Atlanta. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia. He's like, come down with me in six months. You know, we'll get you every single thing we need. I'll use my connections. I'll make my calls. And, you know, once we you get on your feet and we get you established down there, you move your family down. By that time, we'll probably be already, you know, signing for a million dollars. So I go, I go back... I'm like, yeah, when my wife heard it, she was like, oh, is this guy fucking crazy, Jermaine? Are you joking? You're not going to do that. I'm like, no, nah, honey, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Right? So uh, eventually, <laughs> um, me and Casey were like, you know what? Well, we at least got to see what's, got to see what it's like, right? So yeah. we take a weekend trip down to Atlanta. Okay. And um, I had a radio interview at um, 94.5 The Streets uh, where Young Jock and uh, Ferrari Simmons, a whole lot of people were... Um, they were uh, DJing and uh, hosting uh, radio. It's a brand new radio station for Atlanta. And uh, I did a, like an interview slash um, freestyle video on the radio. Okay. And it was like, wow, in three days in Atlanta, I've done more for my music career than, you know, the, what, 10 years at that point of just yeah. being in upstate New York. Yeah. So as soon as I came back, I was like, you know what, I'm going to have to, I'm going to just have to kind of have to tell her. And I did. I just came back home from my flight. I almost didn't make it, but, you know, I told her, I was like, hey, I know I don't know how you're going to take this, but, like, you know, come Monday when I go to work, I'm giving it my two weeks, and I'm quitting my job, and I'm going down to Atlanta with Mo, and I'm going to freaking make music, and I'm going to do it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Well, I told her, after I had to make the uh, decision when I had my second offer, uh, record deal, I was like, the next opportunity, I'm taking it. Okay? Like, you wanted me to be a family man? I did that. I did you know, took care of you, took care of the family. Like I said, I would. The next opportunity, I'm taking it. So she can't be shocked when it's like, all right, now 50 Cent's uncle's about to manage you. Mm-hmm. Atlanta. I know. At that point, Atlanta's like the mecca of freaking hip-hop. Yeah. So. So know. how did she take it? Uh, not well. Yeah. <laughs> not well. No, my in-laws, you know, it was it was almost like the, the crumbling end of my marriage. Anyway, yeah. You know, so, you know, I flew away, um, just, just left it all just to get down there and you know meet great people and do a lot of good things but it probably wasn't even a month 
before I was flying back, like, I, not like that, you know? Mm-hmm. That's not the way I wanted to leave. I just okay. left with such a bad taste in my mouth, yeah, you know? Yeah. It just, my heart didn't feel right. I was in a mm-hmm. really bad spot, so um, I flew back in a month, found myself a job, right? Got out, started living in, um, right up in Gansford, okay. on Traver's Road. A uh, nice little, you know, three-bedroom house, had a basement. I put my studio down there. But, um, you know, by then I'm playing catch-up, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm playing catch-up with my wife and everything like that. Um, you know, I was still doing the same dumb... I don't know if I can swear on the podcast. No, you're but, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, I was doing the same dumb shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, that's when uh, I got a job at Mood Media. Mm-hmm. Uh, functional Communication System. That's what it's really called, but that's an uh, Rensselaer, and uh, made the worst decision of my life. Made the worst decision of my life. Are you willing to share? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm like, so, I don't know uh, what's coming. <laughs> nope. I was uh, one night. I I went downtown. Right. I was arguing with my wife. I just found out I was gonna lose my house because okay. it was only six month lease, and the people we were renting from was like, oh yeah, sure, you know, like. You know, if everything's good after six months, you know, we'll sign another lease for a year. Yeah. No, they just wanted somebody to be in there until track season because gotcha. six months came around. And no explanation as to why. And they kicked us out. So I was sad. I was, you know, still arguing with my wife. And I, I just decided to go out and in my company car, too. Oh, no. Yep. And yeah. uh, after a, a few, a few of those. I uh, actually crashed my car. Oh, my goodness. I crashed my company car and lost my job, lost my house, lost my license, lost my marriage. Wow. Then they just lost it all. And this is right after having it all but not being grateful enough to actually see the opportunity. Yeah. Right? So it was just like life just hit an all-time low. Overnight, literally. Overnight, literally. And um, that was kind of like the end all and end all. So here I am without a job. Here I am without a house. Like, where the heck are we going to live? Um, we eventually moved to Clifton Park. And, Who's uh, we? Uh, me, my ex-wife, and my daughter. Okay, so she was still around. Like, yeah, you, you know. Yeah, it was yeah like, it's just like... It was almost like, yeah, mm-hmm. bro, you got to figure it out, man. Yeah. Like, what, what do you want me to do, Jermaine? Like, you know? Right. You got to know what you want to do. You got to be who you want to be. Like, you know, so um, that taught me a lot. I started going to AA. Got mm-hmm. myself a... Um, Got myself a, um, what do you call him, sponsor. Yeah. And, um, you know, a good guy, Mike. Um, actually walked into AA. I thought it was my freaking uh, defensive or my, my driving course for you to get your license. Oh, back. God. It wasn't even. I just walked into church. <laughs> You're like, what is this? Yeah, I sat down. I was like, okay, there's other people here sitting too. And I see, like, you know, drinking and stuff. So I'm just sitting down. And next thing you know, I was like, I'm listening to people. I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Like, mm-hmm. This is, you know, wait, this ain't where I'm supposed to be? No. <laughs> Hi, Jermaine. Hi, Jermaine. <laughs> Oh, wow. It's one of those, like, you know? You're like, wait, I've seen this in movies. Yep. Yeah. So just lolly on way into uh, AA. But uh, back to premium wraps, right? So uh, at that time, I didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. So I actually had to get a job where it was close enough so I can walk. So from where I was living, I was working at TGI Fridays as a line cook, right? Because it's always going to be a fallback, you know? If yeah. Plan A doesn't work. Okay. I can just get a cooking job like tomorrow. That's why I don't cool. really care cool. to cook or I don't mm-hmm. care to like have a job because I know I can always. You've got a fallback plan. I can always. So like always. keep to keep you going. Yeah. yeah. So um, but it but it was never enough money. So I call my brother uh, Michelangelo. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he hits me up. He's like, "Yo, bro, how you been?" I'm like, "Good, bro." I'm just like looking at side hustles. I was looking at like 
vending machines. Maybe I can invest a thousand dollars to get a vending machine company started. And he was like, yo, bro, why don't you, uh, why don't you do what I did? He just moved down to um, uh, Kentucky, but he was up here and he had, um, he actually started doing uh, car customization. He was doing a uh, plastic dip, uh, wrapping cars and stuff. And um, he moved down there and he was making probably about 10,000 a month at the time. And he was like, dude, if you want to do that, look, I could, I could show you the videos you got to watch. You got to watch it, try it on your own car, and then yeah. just put out these ads. And he pretty much gave me the business model for up here. And my first year, um, even like my first my first day doing it, I was so nervous. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it on my car. As long as it looks good on my car, you know, I'll be, I'll be ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did it on my car. I saw my flaws. You know, I practiced, got better, got better. Finally did my first car for a hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. It's a small it was, it was actually a maintenance guy. He was like, Hey man, what are you doing with your car? I was like, I'm actually wrapping him. He's like, Dang, I would like to have mine done because he has a black car. Yeah. So I was like, Yeah, I'll make him black for you. How much are you gonna charge me? I was like, uh, I don't know, like $150? I'm right, cool. Sure. And uh took me three hours to do it. And um fifty dollars an hour, three hours, I was like, Yeah, this is it. Mm-hmm. You know, so as soon as I as soon as I put my ads out there and, you know, my leads started hitting, I was like, oh, my God. It was like, coming in. It was coming in. And I was like, you know what? I could either try to walk to and fro to work every single day, which even though it was right down the street, it was still about 45 minutes to an hour walk. Um, or I could just wrap two cars, make $600 in a week and, you know, have all the freedom and time to myself to do music or whatever I wanted to. And yeah, I did that. Yeah, there's always a way to make money while you're actually going after what you want. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a scary thing because it's like, all right, this might not be like the steadiest thing. But Mm -hmm. if you can find a way to make money and give yourself freedom at the same time, like that's the goal. Because then eventually, you know, you work yourself up in the career that you really want too, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So for me, like time is everything. Yeah. You know, like... And my mom, she's she's always a stickler on me about this. She's like, you need to find a real job. You need to find something nine to five. I was like, mom, I did that. I was miserable. I drank myself to death, you know? Mm. I, I was never had enough time in the day. I was early up, early in the morning, and I'm not going to be the last person to sit here and say that I don't love doing music, and I'll stay up till 3 o'clock, you know, doing something that I love and ready to risk my whole entire livelihood over that someone's going to fire me if I'm 10 minutes late to work. Yeah, you know? yeah, I So, know. you know, I was, I got into day trading also. So, like, I, I literally have, I'm trying to get my seven streams of income, right? Mm-hmm. All millionaires have seven streams of income, either passive or, you know, what they just have. And, you know, I'm actually happy that nowadays I'm up to about five. Okay. I'm up to five different ways to get money. So, you know, even if... Like it's not time for the season for my uh, my car wrapping because yeah. it's more of like a like a spring summer fall type of thing because you can't wrap a car in the winter unless you have a shop we don't have a shop yet um, but I do use my man uh, Camaracho down in Troy if you need your tents done he's the best <laughs> um, he lets me use the shop if I was to have something in the winter so you know between you know DJing taking care of me in the winter car wrapping taking care of me in the summer. You know, our card company, like, we're trying to sell Let's Get Messed Up. It's a game that we developed for seven years. That's In fun. the making. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's not that, you know, cooking, trading. Uh, I also do a little bit of life coaching. Cool. Yes, that's that's the one thing that kind of, I needed a life coach to realize that my life needed coaching. You know? Yeah. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, you, you pay a life coach? No, it's just somebody holds you accountable 
to do what you said you were going to do. Yeah. You know, and yeah. say to help you and teach you. And, you yeah. Know, We've so. had a, a couple on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's, it seems like a really cool thing. Like, yes, it's good to have like a therapist and somebody to like work you through what you've been through. But then this is like, all right, what can we do now mm-hmm. to move you forward yep. and to, yeah, see what you could do every day to move yourself forward. So that's yep. important too. That's a big thing too. Like the one thing that he got me into was the accountability call. Yeah. Every That's single, big. Yeah, every single every single day, Monday through Friday, um, a group of people within I Am Academy um, all get on the phone same time, and we just wake up and we talk about what we're grateful for. You know how our morning's going, how our morning routine's going. Did you meditate? Did you read? Did you exercise? You know, did you do affirmations? Yeah, all that good positive morning stuff, and you know, just Mister Accountable. Mr. Accountable. Shout out to Mr. Accountable. <laughs> um, yeah, just keeping people accountable, and me nowadays, like. Just working with him, now I'm that person that's holding other people accountable. And like myself that. more than anybody. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm happy I got my house clean. I yes. myself accountable to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, like, if you're, you're doing all these things now, and you know you're, you're, you've created a livelihood for yourself, and you seem to be obviously in a better place, like, mentally than you probably were back then. Like, was I? Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't even have it. Really, the mental space was just, it was, there was, there was too much space in no direction. Mm. The way I'd see yeah. it. You know, I was just walking around aimlessly in any direction I could go. Mm-hmm. Now it's okay. I'm going to be a good father. That's the first thing I got to work on. Yeah. Right? And I got to live, so let me make some money. And how do I want to make it? By using music. I love right. music. Mm-hmm. You know, I love speech. I love talking to people. I love poetry, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, use truth. I'm one of the honest people in the world. That's why, you know, every single thing... Except for premium wraps, our business is true. Yeah. You know, so my car dipping was uh, True Dip. Our clothing company was True True Drip. Uh, true Productions, True Studios, True Effect Friday. Clean, uh, Casey, my business partner, his uh, his business is called True Cleaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, true Cuts Barbershop. Uh, Henry and Lamont over there. That's kind of, you know... Just, just being true. You yeah. Know, true to you, true to everything. Exactly. Everything's true. Yes. So what was really like, obviously out of necessity, you needed to make change for yourself, but mentally, like how, how did you really create that shift for yourself to create a better life for yourself? COVID. I would oh. say everybody hated COVID. <laughs> COVID uh, well, it actually, well, it was first thing I did that I really did for myself to help me was go to anger management. Mm. Right, mm-hmm. so I was drinking a lot and I was getting angry a lot, right? Because yeah. I was in a toxic, toxic, toxic relationship, right? So as soon as I went to uh, anger management, not because of court, not because of necessity, I actually paid the money just to do it so I could learn something about myself, and I learned how to control my anger, mm-hmm. and that's the best thing I could have did for myself. Yeah. But you know, uh, really, what it was was so COVID hit. Um, it really wasn't in the mix yet. I just, uh, I was in, living in Clifton Park. I was wrapping cars. I was making good money, but it was never enough, you know? Yes, I can make, you know, $1,200 this week, $1,500 this week, but once the season's over, you know. What do you do next? What do you do next, yeah. right? So I threw my hat in the ring, tried to look for another production job because I know it would be, you know, the money that I needed. You know, I had a certification. I was good to fly about the country if I wanted to. And um, I actually got a job working at Shenandoah United Methodist Church. And I was a production coordinator there who uh, I managed a group of four different uh, volunteers who would run the uh, lighting system, sound system, uh, broadcasting system, 
in uh, the production system, right? So me being the production coordinator at church for, uh, I did it for about a year and a half, two years. Um, that's really where a lot of, you know, me fixing my spirit and really realizing that, you know, I need a lot of healing. Mm-hmm. I've been through so much. I need a lot of healing. Yeah. And so does my wife, you know? So, you know, with the help of God, you know, I prayed over it and, you know, just, you know, prayed for better. And really what I was asking for was I was asking for me back, yeah. you know, because somewhere along the journey, I lost myself. I really did. And you know, it's crazy because I was working at church and I felt like I had to leave church just so I could get closer with God. Mm-hmm. And I eventually did. I was At this time, I was living in, um, I was still living up in uh, Saratoga Lake. I have the lake house now, a four-bedroom house on Saratoga Lake right next to Browns Beach. And um, I'm going to church and, you know, it's one thing to, you know, go down there and pray with people. And, you know, we prayed before every single thing we did, you know. Yeah. And just, like, getting close to, you know, getting closer to the Bible and the Word and, you know, just good, just good-hearted people, mm-hmm. you know. And just to go home and be thrown back into, like, this, you know, her her negative past ways of thinking when I'm, you know, healing futuristic thinking. And at some point, I had to make the decision for myself to say, you know what? She deserves better. My daughter deserves better. I deserve better. And I got to leave. Yeah. Damn. And, and mm-hmm. it, it's hard, you know, because every single thing I worked up for, you know, like I said, I started in the back of a shack in Saratoga. I was homeless when my, my wife was six months pregnant, you know. I've been, I've been rich. I've been poor. I've been this. I've been that. I've been up. I've been down. But... You know, I finally, I had to step away and say, you know what? Now I can depend on myself. I need yeah. to learn how to depend on me. I got to hold me accountable, you know? And now I don't need anybody to really do anything for me that I can't do for myself. And I found a new found strength within myself, a new found hustle within myself. And so much more peace within myself because mm. like I work I mean like I am exhausted even right now like and I know it's going to be a late night again you know until 2 o'clock yeah but I balance it all out with my daughter mm-hmm. you know because you know every single thing really that that decision to leave my my you know my marriage that was falling had everything to do with my daughter I mm-hmm. love my daughter she is my angel she is the breath I breathe she is my heartbeat and yeah, yeah. the whole entire reason why I live so um, I said, you know what? Daddy's got to go. I'll be all right, though. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get on my feet. You know, I'm going to get for myself and have for myself. And, you know, I'm doing it all for her. And yeah. now I'm actually very proud to say that every single thing that I, my whole entire life is now scheduled around her. Yeah. She is my whole entire reason why my life is the way it is. You know, like, I, I don't need to pay for summer camp because, you know, for what I do, DJing has allowed me to work three days, four days a week. And, you know, on the days where I don't work is the days I have my daughter. Mm-hmm. So every single time I have my daughter, she's my only focus. She is, you know, and I just work my ass off that whole entire time. Right. And, you know, I get her on Saturdays, you know, and I'm DJing all damn night on Friday and I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. But, you know. 
as soon as 12 o'clock comes around and I go outside and daddy uh, and I lift her up like I'm exhausted but like I still have the strength to just lift her up and I'm like okay you know what this is why. Yeah, it puts the life back it, in you. It, it's yeah. every single thing I need to balance me. So. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank it you. really is, yeah. And it's, you know, it goes to show, yeah, of course it's hard and, I don't know, like that's a very courageous decision even to leave, but it's like, all right, I'm kind of, you're kind of shedding the older parts of you, right? Yep. That, you know, um, we're struggling and you were going through a lot at those times, but it's like, I know who I am now. I know who I am now and I'm leaving that behind and in order to be something better for me and for the people I love. Right. Exactly. Ooh, yeah. That's a lot. It is a lot. It, it's a lot. And you're what? 29. 29. That's a, yep. that's a, most people don't go through all that by yep. the time they're 30. Like yep. they really don't. <laughs> I know <Yeah>. they don't. <laughs> but yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, you've got you've accomplished a lot and i know that there's 100 percent a lot to come so oh there's so much exciting. more to come yeah no, so can't. if you're looking at you know your future what is it that you want exactly um i would say i'm already i already got everything that i want mm-hmm. you know because a lot of my self-growth had to be with being grateful yeah. i didn't realize you know, I had all these great opportunities, great people around me, and I was just like, just so ungrateful, you know? Yeah. And now that I found, you know, a way to trust myself again, you know, respect myself again, and how to, you know, really just like love and like be grateful, there's really not nothing more that I need because I am a good father mm-hmm. and I make money it by goes using back to music that, yeah. and speech and love and truth and I help people become smarter oh, I help them become wiser I help them become beautiful. richer that's yeah know? it's that mission statement it, it all is. goes back to it yeah so now I'm living my dream yeah it's, it's a great feeling it isn't everything I want yes do I want my, my damn lake house back with my nice pond and garden and yeah. swing yeah but you know what you'll get there yep the next five years I'm very excited to see what life is going to have in store for me. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did want to ask you one quick thing about the music. Like you said, all right, as soon as I start making music, like opportunities come, offers come. Mm-hmm. So for anybody who's in the music industry, who's, you know, wanting to put their stuff out there and to get seen, mm-hmm. what, like, how did you do it? Where are you putting your stuff on the map? Like, how are you finding these opportunities? Like, what practical steps can you give somebody who's looking to do that? If you are trying to do music and you love it, and you're addicted to it, and you know what, you wanted to make it a career path, um, understand that there are two sides to the business, right? They have the production side, which is the actual physical, doing the guitars, you know, recording, pro tools, engineering, mixing, mastering, you know, and but then you also have the front end of it too, which is being a face, being you know at shows and you know bringing gear in. You know, I just stuck on the production side. Okay, I want to make the music, mm-hmm. but there's there's also this other side as far as you know. Now people will you're actually an entertainer. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not you're so much the music an influencer music. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and who said it? I think Kamikaze said it the best. Great DJ. Um, Shout out to Kamikaze. He said, we're in the entertainment business. So either you're a DJ or you're a singer or you're a comedian or you're a rapper, whatever you want to be. You won't have to be the best, 
you just got to be entertaining. Yeah. You know? So the best advice I can give somebody that wants to be in this music entertainment industry, just be entertaining. The best thing that you can do about if you want to make great money and you want to like, you know, really make shift sounds, just, just be entertaining. Every single time that you meet somebody and don't also, you got to network. You have to network. Like your network is your net worth. My business partner, Michelangelo with premium raps told me something that I will always, always, always never forget. And it shifted my thought of the music industry because, um, like he's one of the smartest men I know. Yeah. Yes. I want to put that on wax, brother. You know, you're one of the smartest men I know, but he said, um, you know, it's not about, um, you know, cause it's say, but it's all about who, you know, it's yeah. all about who, you know, in the music industry. it's all about who, you know, right. And it's not in this industry. It's not about who, you know, okay. It's about who knows you. Hmm. I like that. Right. Yeah. So every single person that you meet, every single person you walk by, do they know you? Mm hmm. What can you do to have them see you or get to know you? You know, yeah. you could be quiet guy standing in the back, but that's the person that's never going to, you know, really, I ain't going to say can't get nowhere, but, you know. It's going to be a lot harder. It's going to be. You yeah. Know? Like, so even when I'm usually DJing on Fridays, if I'm not DJing on Fridays, even though I'm not working, I'm networking, mm -hmm. you know, so I'll still come out just because that's one more person that sees me. That's one more yes. person. Like consistency is everything yeah. in the music industry. And like we talked about before, like a conversation is easy, yep. you know, it's easy to go up and say hi to somebody and like, just see what happens, mm -hmm. you know, that's yeah. how this podcast happened. Literally just like. Said, yeah, hey, cool. Like, oh, I, I like what you're doing. Yeah. And then that's that. Yeah, come to find out. I know. You never know. Stuff. Never know about some people. Yeah, definitely. And then, like, the music itself. Like, do you, where do you release your music? Do you just... Um, Distro Kid is where I distribute it. Okay. Um, one place I'll give, I'll give um, artists out there a, a million dollars worth of game, right? So they have these things that are called non-exclusive catalogs, mm -hmm. right? So that is where... Uh, companies create pools of organized music. Okay. And uh, you don't need to own the exclusive rights to your music. Because you got people like Kanye West who can make the beat, rap the song, do it all himself. Exclusively, that's your creation. Yeah, right? yeah. Non-exclusive catalogs are the people that go on YouTube and, you know, find a beat. Mm -hmm. You know, they lease a beat for $25. Now they own some kind of the rights to it. Okay. You know, they publish the music. Um, you know, respectfully, they give 100% to the producer. They keep 100% for themselves because all copywriting in music actually goes by 200% instead okay. of 100%. Mm -hmm. So, you know, who makes the beat, boom, you get 100%. I made the lyrics, you know, I did the recording and everything, boom, I get 100%, and they split the uh, they split the publishing. They split the master. These non-exclusive catalogs, one's called crucialmusic.com. Okay. Right? So for you to get on there, you need to have a publisher, right? So if you don't have a music publisher and, and like, you're, you want to get in the industry and you want to get your songs in TV shows and, you know, movies and maybe even commercial, you know, at middle of you know the super bowl at halftime yeah whatever or or on the next tesla or volvo commercial you need to have publishing right mm -hmm. the best publisher free publishing um to publish your music is bmi right okay. so i use bmi i know a couple people that are actually signed to bmi and they have publishing deals through bmi so if you need a free music publisher um they give you a contract the contracts for three years um 
but you know you finally got a you finally got a number behind the music that you put out right so as soon as you get your music publisher you get with BMI right you have your number you make you make the music that you do you produce it go to crucialmusic.com start a uh, um Start an uh, account. It's completely free. Mm-hmm. And um, you just upload your music there. It's really easy. You're going to ask for your publishing information. So, you know, make sure you got that from a producer if you're a rapper. Make sure you got their publishing information. Make sure you got your publishing information. And um, once you publish it, you can submit it to the catalog. And if they they pick it up in a catalog and they're like, hey, you know what? This song is, this is really nice. I can, you know, I can hear it in a, you know, freaking Corona commercial because it's a little yeah. Gucci, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, they'll pitch it, and as soon as your music is pitched, it only takes uh, it only one takes person one. to say, "Hey, I know," and bang, you get your first uh, your first uh, publishing check. Yeah. For you know, uh, Brett Bull, Brett Bull, um, artist that I worked with, he owns the uh, clothing line Classies California. Okay. It's a song I did for him. It blew up, um, and he recorded it right there at True Studios. Hmm. Um, he actually told me about it, and he actually was able to get one of the songs that he did with BL the Hook Slayer out in Massachusetts um, on The Shy, which was like this cop show about Chicago. Okay. Some some TV show, but literally only used 30-second clip of his song, and he got a $10,000 check, and every single time that uh, that song is played on the radio, or on the radio, every single time that it's re-aired yeah. on... Uh, TV, he gets a he gets a royalty check. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just passive income. Beautiful, I know. Take your royalty know. checks and put it in your kids' name so they can live forever, live rich forever. Yeah, and like you never know, and you got to put yourself out there to try, mm-hmm. you know, to see what happens. Seriously, because yeah. you know, something like that, you, it could happen. You never know. Yeah. yeah. All right, I got two more questions for you because I know you got to go. Sure. But um, all right, one is what do you do every day to make sure you're taking care of yourself, like mentally, physically. Making sure you're in a good space. I meditate. You meditate? I meditate. And um, one thing I do that I actually started when I went down to uh, New York City and I was living with uh, Santo, my uh, brother and life coach for, I was there for about a month and a half. Uh, I started this thing where I'd go out and I'd look for the sun. Mm. I call it uh, sun searching, right? So cloudy day or not, at some point during the day, I take time to slow down, look up to the sky, and re- re- reconnect back to the source. Because I've realized, you know, that at the end of it, does it really matter? No. Mm-hmm. Really doesn't. Most so, things don't. <laughs> you know, just to take a second to just look up to the sky and just, like, feel that natural energy come from the sun. I usually do that every single morning and just, like, breathe, try to re- just get on a frequency where I'm just, you know, doesn't matter what's going to happen today. It's meant to be. Absolutely. You know, and that's yeah. the best thing I do for my mental mental space. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And it is true. Like most things we worry about don't matter and they won't matter tomorrow. Right. And it's like thinking, hey, like I think I have everything I need today. So might as well enjoy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's good. And then the one question I ask everybody on this show that I'm always interested to know is what is it that you value at the end of each day? What do I value at the end of each day? Mm-hmm. Um, loyalty. Mm-hmm. More than anything because, you know, me being who I am and being in the industry that I'm in, 
Um, there's a lot of people who are always around you, but when shit gets tough and, you know, your back's to the wall, you truly get to see who is just there to be there or who is there for the long haul. Yeah. You know, and I, I value my relationships. I, I value, you know, the people in my life that, you know, I call on a constant daily basis, you know, yeah. that doesn't matter, you know, if I had all the money in the world or, you know, I was, you know, hungry, you know, they always, if I needed it and they seen it, they gave it to me, yeah. you know, and I just reciprocated that back. Yes. You know? mm -hmm. Like, so if you look here, right, I decorated my house, um, but most of the things in my house literally are gifts. Yeah. Everything, everything is a gift from somebody. Mm -hmm. and they, it was a gift because, you know, I, I don't judge people, you know, and one thing that everybody knows about me is that, you know, who am I to judge, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I was broke, I was poor, I was this, I was that, mm -hmm. I was drunk, I've been, hey, hey, I've, I've been, you know, everything in between. I don't, I don't like to judge people. Yeah. So when I meet people, you know, they always get respect and you always get what you give, right? So, you know, you know, I've shared my life with people, you know, there's no shame in my game. Mm -hmm. And, um... Louie over there snoring. I know. <laughs> That's probably going to come up in the microphone. But, it's okay. He's fine. Um, yeah, like, I've, I've just given genuine love and care and respect to people, and they've, you know, seen what I've been through, they've heard what I've been through, and they've just generally wanted to help me. Yeah. You know, because I live to serve, you know? It's and I serve to live. That's what keeps me going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. We got to help each other out in this life. Seriously. Yeah. Well, you have a beautiful story, and... It's amazing to just see where you are and where you'll continue to go. And yeah, you're doing good for yourself, which Thank is you. awesome. And you're doing what you want to do and living to the statement that you've chosen for yourself, which is a great one, you know? Yep. So congratulations on everything. Thank you, Kelly. So excited, of course. Um, tell everyone where they can find you, your music, like literally everything you have. Like, okay, so... Um, give it all. <laughs> if I had it all... Um, just Google me. Yeah. Just Google me. Prez, PR3Z. Don't forget the 3Z. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at TruePrez. You can just type in TruePrez, T-R-U-E-P-R-3-Z on Google. Trust me, every single thing that I'm involved in, one way or another, will show up. Just don't go too far because then might, you might run into something. But <laughs> No, I'm just joking. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This I was wonderful. It. And, um, yeah, that's a wrap. We're good. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.